What true purpose does the church serve today? If it does have purpose, how has it changed since its creation 2,000 years ago? Welcome to Word for the Week, Season 2, Episode 30. Join us as we discuss the church and why it's really here. It would seem to me that first we need to step back a little to answer this question. And before asking, does the church serve a purpose today? We have to ask, what purpose did it serve in the beginning? Right, you know, church and purpose. And I think that's an honest question, both for the past and for the present. And the church, we have to remember, didn't exist until the resurrection of Christ. So the church is the invention and the intention of, of a biblical God. Uh, the church came strictly from the Bible. And that has some really profound implications. In what way? Well, um, let me let me step back from this question directly, kind of come at it a little sideways. If anything is dissociated from how it was created, it's on shaky ground, and at least in understanding itself. Uh, and I'll give you an example. It's uh, one of those story parable things. Every kid in school heard some version of it. Remember the story of the eagle who thought he was a chicken. As I recall, an eagle had been raised with a bunch of chickens, so right. it thought that it was a chicken and acted like a chicken until it discovered what it really was. All right, and uh, you know that's kind of the story in a nutshell, and people say it in different ways. Hmm. But the reality is, here's this eagle. It was born an eagle. The DNA, if you were to look at it and sequence, it was an eagle, mm -hmm. but it truly didn't experience itself for what it really was. Uh, until it started acting like an eagle, and that's kind of the basis of the story. And to stay with the story, there was an exact moment that that eagle was born. Right. Is there an exact moment that the church was born? Right, uh, and and that's really kind of where we're going with this, is that so much with the eagle depended on what it was when it was born. So mm -hmm. asking the same thing of the church, well, yes, as a matter of fact, you could actually take take it down to a single line, a sentence in scripture where um, it documents the birth of the church. And in fact, that this line is, is very unique. There's no other sentence in the entire Bible quite like this line. And I might add in the right translation, this is where some newer translations are actually a little bit disappointing. Uh -huh. um, and that would be in Acts 2.41. Yes, if you wouldn't mind. And this is in a good translation. In the English Standard Version. Yes, ESV. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were numbered that day about 3,000 souls. That's a powerful point in history, but what makes the sentence so unique? Well, um, it's... Let's let's just kind of savor the moment here for a second. Here it is. Here's the birth. Here's the eagle coming out of the egg, if you will. Hmm. And there's a group of of individuals. Uh, they've just heard the gospel, and they are now responding en masse right. to this gospel. That second, that moment, whatever it took, is where the church was born. There it is. Hmm. Boom. There's the birth of the church. So as you look at the sentence, what really strikes you the most, or, or, or initially anyway? Well, probably the first thing would be the number, 3,000. That's a pretty pretty big crowd. Yeah, and, and every church salivates at that. They're like, <laughs> man, if we could have a service and, and get 3,000 people. Yeah. But here's the unfortunate thing is that 
3,000 isn't the main focus of the mm. sentence, really. I mean, that's the context. That's the setting of the jewel, and it's a beautiful setting. It's a powerful context. But the real focus is the last word where I say some translations really miss the boat on this, mm -hmm. is the word souls. So why is the word souls so unique? Well, it, it's unique in the way it's used here. Uh for example, let me let's just revisit this sentence a little bit. In our regular casual English, as we're speaking, if I were right. to say, "Oh, you saw a gathering of of three thousand, you would probably say there were three thousand people." Right. I 3, mean, people. and that's the way we would use it. And and quite honestly, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, whether we're talking the ancient Greek or the um, the ancient Hebrew and the ancient Greek. Uh, they would say pretty much the same thing. And just to prove the point, I'm, I'm going to ask you to read a sampling through Scripture uh, on how they refer to crowds. Okay. Mark 1.45, But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Luke 1.10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the house of incense. Mm -hmm. Mark 2.13, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Mm -hmm. John 6.10, Jesus said, have the people sit down, and there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Okay, so there we go. There, there, all of these are samplings of of large groups of people. Right. And when, when Scripture talks about these large groupings, Old or New Testament, um, one thing I will say in the New Testament, they'll tend to use the word crowd is used far more in the New Testament than the Old Testament. It's <laughs> kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. But anyway, people is used equally. It's used a lot. Mm -hmm. Multitude is used in a number of occasions. And we're dealing with a patriarchal time, not just in one, but many cultures. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising when you're talking about a crowd, it's expressed in terms of how many men were there. Right. Right. But never souls? Uh, no, never souls. And just, just to round out the picture some here, let's look at a few verses uh, to sample where the word soul is used and see how it is used okay. in these. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm -hmm. Acts fourteen twenty two. Strengthening the souls of the the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tri tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Then mm -hmm. First Peter one twenty two. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for its sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Okay, now, this may seem subtle at first, but if you mm -hmm. notice, they're addressing a group of people, but in a way that you're speaking to the individuals. Deeper inside. Yeah, in, mm -hmm. in with the crowd. And, and you can't um, um, juxtapose the words. You can't substitute, for instance, um, where the word soul is used here. You couldn't say, take my yoke and find rest for your crowd. <laughs> you know, yeah, I see. Or... 
you couldn't say purify your multitude. Right. You couldn't say strengthen the people of the disciples. Or, <laughs> that it would yeah. change the meaning into something that was not the meaning. Right, yeah. right. And on the other hand, if we look at Acts 2, 3,000 people were added or 3,000 men or even a crowd of 3,000 would mm. work in the sentence just fine. Right. And in fact, it seems to be a better fit than souls. Souls right. is a bit unexpected, which leads me to think it was very intentional choice for some reason. Right. And since it was intentional, perhaps you could explain what that word meant in those ancient languages. Yeah, well, you really hit on something there because, like you say, it was unexpected to see the word. Something else almost, like you say, seems better. Hmm. So we have to go back into the writer's mind to that ancient language. Okay, he deliberately uses this word. So what did that word mean to him? What was going right, on? Right. So. The, what we'd like to do is we, uh, let's look at the basic concept. Now, we could do both Hebrew and Greek, but, you know, honestly, in in, in the Bible, the Hebrew uh, concept of soul is very, very close to the Greek anyway. Hmm. So let's stay with the Greek since that's what's used in, in the birth of our eagle here, the birth of the right. church. Right. So um, the word is, and and this is fun, because yeah, anybody who's... Um, studied a little psychology or philosophy, they'd see this word, they'd either think psyche or psych, mm -hmm. but in the original Greek, it is actually psuche. And psuche. Psuche, yeah. It's a, P.S. Uh, at the same time. P.S. at the same time. The, and for English people, that kind of melts their brain, but that's what they do. <laughs> it's kind of fun to say, too. Uh, and, and scholars have come up with, they've gone through this, so I'm not going to lean on my understanding of this, uh, and they found in defining the ancient idea of it, this is what comes to mind. So I'll have you read some official texts from the scholars. What does psuche mean? Okay, I'll try not to spit on you too. Uh, Souls, psuche, the vital force which animates the body and shows itself in breathing, life, living being, the seed of feelings, desires, affections, and aversions, the mortal being designed for everlasting life in its right use being offered to God. It attains its highest end, secure, eternal blessedness. Okay, now we have a definition. What was the writer's intention of using the word soul in the birth of the church? Okay, uh, and, uh, you know, talking about this word too, some things we didn't put in were, for the Greeks, they put in the seat of the will. Mm -hmm. uh, but you get the idea, it's the essence of who a person is, uh, actually, the eternal essence. Right. It's all about eternity and the core essence. Uh, but before we even qualify what the intention for soul, let's just let's just qualify this and say we realize the church didn't even in the beginning didn't put off physical needs. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the church was barely formed and they were out there physically caring for the destitute. Right. Uh, and just to drive the point home. James, who's very early in on the church, uh, has this renowned passage people right. know. James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers, if somebody says he has faith and doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving him the things that's needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. 
Okay, so there you go. We've got the physical need. And as we said, physicality comes up very quickly mm -hmm. in, in the scripture. But at the birth of the church, at that, that moment, it doesn't mention the physical. It mentions who were gathered were the souls. That, right. You know. So uh, that is, without any doubt, doubt the ultimate priority right, of the, the church. Right, the top priority. Yeah. The, the, been made clear so especially mm -hmm. as it deals with eternal life and eternal death mm -hmm. is that the way the church sees it today um you know if this is really kind of interesting you know you, you think here we are two thousand years later um how much are, can we change are we allowed to change and really still call ourselves the church mm -hmm. and there's no question that in the church today uh you know at least in in the mainstream of churches the soul is still going to be a focus. But uh, I found it interesting. I, I researched from several angles, from several denominations, several um, publishers, what the most popular sermon topics are in a trend from uh, 2021, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I found is, is, is this. For example. For example. <laughs> yeah, I like the way I just stole something out yes, of here. Yes. Uh, but I saw my brain thinking. You saw, I saw your brain thinking. <laughs> your your suke was coming out. Uh, but anyway, uh, what it, what they found in, in the popular topics, the, on the top of the list of almost everybody, there's there was peace. Mm -hmm. uh, as in, how do you deal with anxiety? You know, what's right. going to give you peace? Right. Uh, hope. Um, how do you get some? <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. Kind of the same reason. Uh, creation was high in the list. Uh, not surprising. How do I address people who have a very alternate point of view. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, a big, big one uh, that has a lot of attractions. How do I be a good parent? How do I right. be a good spouse? Right. How do I have a good marriage? All of these things. Mm -hmm. And these things tend to be on the very much to the top part of the list. And if you go down more towards the bottom, then you'll find uh, there is interest in it, thankfully, mm -hmm. on grace Mm -hmm. on baptism, and on the, uh, other things we might call the uh, transformational aspects uh, of, of the Christian faith. But as I say, even those are they're, eh, kind of down on the bottom of the list. Still, they're all, they all sound like legitimate topics. Yep, and we wouldn't argue with that. I mean, we need to have some practical how-tos, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in there. But the trend seems to be that there seems to be a significant greater interest in how-to than and in... stuff for... For yourself, mm -hmm. yes. Very much so. How-to mm -hmm. with yourself kind of at the center as opposed to what to become. How-to how to do mm -hmm. instead of what to become. Uh, and, and that has some implications because... The real intention behind using the word soul in the birth of the church dealt with what to become because it was all about the essence of the human being, the core of the human being. Mm -hmm. what, what is it? What's the nature that's there? So the primary directive of the, of the church was to impact that essence of the human being, that mm -hmm. thing we call saved, that thing we call transformed or sanctified, it all comes down to how you deal with the soul. And, and you know, in that it, it, it hasn't really changed in directive. It hasn't changed 
in objective, that's what the church was, and really that's still what the true church is. And, and of course, I agree with that, but I think, um, playing devil's advocate a little bit. Okay. I think sometimes... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we can get Satan a little has hard, arrived. <laughs> we can get a little hard on people just that it is a hard concept yes. to in our culture today to to yeah. think in the abstract of becoming. Yes. I mean because sounds very Eastern to us, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We we measure success by what we can become. We we want to know how think to do things and we want to know them quickly. Quickly, yeah. You know, and um, <laughs> right. It's kind of, we're the YouTube generation and yeah, in, in effect and, and guilty as church here is is you want to know how to do something, whether it's fix your plumbing or do this or that. So, mm -hmm. you know, you go on a YouTube video, no complications, no nothing extra. Just show me how to do this job. Just, right. just get it done. So we are very much a how to do. And you're right. It, there is an abstract side of becoming. It's, it's a slow thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the church is more about souls becoming something than people doing something, that's that's a hard sell. I, um, I think we must have been talking about something earlier, and I'm probably going to go around things. Mm -hmm. But like you, you talk about becoming all these different things. You become mm -hmm. a, a profession, a doctor, or you know, a, yeah. an electrician or something. But right. becoming, just becoming, it just it, becomes. It, it's. That's, that's hard. You know, it it is hard. hard. Even in, in a practical thing, like you say, a doctor, a psychiatrist, or uh, a master carpenter or master electrician or something. Yeah. But they're f at least they're physical right. things that you're dealing right. with. Right, right. But, uh, you know, in the whole thing, even for them, you have to think you can have the best intentions of the world. Maybe, you, you know, in the world that you want to heal people. And so you, you go out there and try and do it. Right. Or, you know, I know Joe Blow and I'd really like to fix his wiring. And so I just go There's over and do it. There's steps to do it and you get it done. and Right. And yeah. you get it done. But you think of these people who you don't want me rewiring your house. I mean, I'd be happy to try. <laughs> yeah. But you want a master electrician. And you think of how that master electrician got there. Hmm. They start. They studied. There was a change in the mind, a change in the understanding. Yeah. Then there was experience that put the understanding to use, and then the the understanding and the experience played together. To to uh, that person, when they become a master electrician, is not the same person before uh, a right. doctor, whatever. So becoming uh, just doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen, mm -hmm. uh, it, but yet. We have this idea is that, okay, I'm going to be a godly person. I'm going to go out there and do godly things. And, mm -hmm. and you have churches that will accommodate this side. I'm going to go out for social justice and do all these things. Is it, Outside of gifting. And, and what a mess mm -hmm. that gets made. Because when you go out and try and do God's work without God's nature and God's understanding, mm -hmm. man, you really mess things up. And Scripture will say that. Is it, don't be quick to teach. Don't be quick to do these things. Right. There, there's a point. You must become something Right. And then as you, you you utilize, of course, what you've become, mm -hmm. uh, you become something even more. And that's called, you know, progressive sanctification. We want to get all fancy about it. <laughs> but the idea takes us back to the beginning church is this, this was 
before we were even out of the eggshell as a church, mm-hmm. the idea of becoming, and there was added 3,000, oh, that's great, 3,000 people. No, 3,000 souls, souls. Yeah. 3,000 essences, essences. <laughs> I can say 2K, but I can't say essence. But anyway, you know, the, the core of people that was about to be changed. Right. Yeah. So it's tricky becoming a godly servant without that process of understanding, experience, and supernatural change. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's, it's not just tricky, it's impossible. Right. And of yeah. course, we don't want to leave out. We know the Holy Spirit is the agent right. behind making this happen. But even for him, this is what is being worked in the human being. Mm-hmm. Understanding, experience according to the understanding, change in nature, and then uh, then that uh, progressing in a growth process. Right, right. But it starts with the soul. Right. Yeah, yeah. So this is where I end up. Um, the church definitely had a purpose in the beginning, and that purpose mm-hmm. was transformation of the soul, first and foremost. First and foremost. The church still has a purpose today that's just as urgent and just the same because reality hasn't changed at all. Yeah, and, and that's kind of a hard sell, like you say, mm-hmm. is that, look, the reality, the spiritual reality hasn't changed at all. Yeah. Uh, and, and agreeing with it, I say, I, I think we have in our, our empirical um, era of mankind diminishing the spiritual side some, but what if it's true that the spiritual elements are actually the most basic building block for mm. life, the most building block for the human being? Mm. Serious implication. That would mean that if we get the spiritual element wrong, as in what that soul is becoming, Everything else that follows is going to be uh, adversely affected. I mean, right down to the most basic the things. The ego's going to be the chicken. <laughs> yeah, the ego. You're going to be out there pecking in the, in the farmyard. Is yeah. and in in the human experience, that means right down to the way we greet each other. You know, mm-hmm. the way you treat mm-hmm. somebody else on the highway. It's a yeah. every facet of life is going to be affected, uh, and so it's no wonder that when when the church was born, when the eggshell was cracked open, so to speak, uh, the first concern was the soul. This just came in my brain, but light it in did. everything I saw it or go. darkness in everything. Yes. Right? Right. And that makes me think of Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Okay. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand where it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Right. That's beautiful because, like you say, light and darkness, they go everywhere um, and um, affect everything. So there it is. In a nutshell, the purpose of the biblically defined church, light for the soul, then light for the world. Yeah. And we finish this episode with a very appropriate song, This I Believe, the Creed released in 2014 by Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Songwriter Ben Fielding says, We took seriously what we were setting out to do, putting music to the Apostles' Creed, mm-hmm. which for centuries has been such a revered set of words in the church. You don't want to treat it lightly. So as we go out, may we take the purpose of the church seriously as well. Mm-hmm. And until next week, be blessed, everybody. Mm-hmm. See ya. Sing.
You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Community's Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.